It is more important now than ever for families to instill the values they want into their children and equip them to make better choices in life. Timeless Truths will inspire you to do just that. Thank you to my friend Daryl Rolark, the recording artist, composer, and producer of this music called Beautiful Soul. Good day, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Timeless Truths with me, Dr. Christine Van Horn, as your host. This is episode 33, and it is called What World War II Veterans Can Teach Us. I want to start off by reading a quote, and this is from General Dwight D. Eisenhower, who later became president, and he said, this world of ours must avoid becoming a community of dreadful fear and hate and be instead a proud confederation of mutual trust and respect. And he led so much in World War II, he should know what that means, and he should know that wisdom to give us that is still relevant to today. As I'm talking about World War II veterans and what they can teach us, you really might think most of them are no longer with us. How can we learn from them? Well, they can still speak to us today, and I'm going to show you how and discuss why their messages are so important to us today, not only for the younger generation, but the older generation, and they can still mentor us. And that is really important. I feel it is so important that I'm writing a new book about it. First, let me tell you a little more about the World War II veterans. And that term was really coined by newsman Tom Brokaw when he accompanied so many of them as they returned to the beaches of Normandy, France on the 40th anniversary of D-Day. And D-Day stands for Decision Day. And it was the day that the Allies, which included the U.S. and England and Canada and Australia and many, many others, decided to stop the advancement of Hitler and the Nazis because they had overtaken Europe and now they wanted to head across the English Channel and invade England. So I'm going to have more information on D-Day in my book, but it is really an amazing story of the grit That's the determination that these men faced in light of the enemy that they were facing head on and not knowing if they were going to even survive that day. Hundreds of thousands of them did it. But what about today? Do you think the young people of today could go into a huge international military battle head on and do it willingly, even though their their lives might be lost? But I'm not sure. But I don't even know that we've really equipped them. I don't think we have. So what I'm trying to do is bridge this chasm by telling the story of the greatest generation and how we can still learn from them today. That's why I'm writing that book. Now, in other countries, the greatest generation was also called the GI generation or the Federation generation. So let me read you something. I'm going to read you an excerpt out of my upcoming book on the World War II generation or the greatest generation. And my book title is called What the Greatest Generation Knew That We Don't. So this is an excerpt. I'm going to read it to you. And it's it's out of chapter one of my book. Those men and women did not groan and moan because life was difficult. They ensured their families survived through it and they were grateful for all they had. 
They were resourceful and did not harm their neighbors to get what they needed. The greatest generation is a name given to those who served in the armed services to win the war, that's World War II, often at the cost of their lives. It is also those who served behind the scenes to ensure that they could do what was needed in World War II. They were the men and women who worked in the factories to make wartime supplies. They were the ones who protected their neighborhoods while so many men were away fighting the war. And my grandfather actually did that. He was one of those people when they would do blackouts, he would go and go around to the different homes and make sure everybody's lights were out and yet they were safe. So they were the ones who protected their neighborhoods while so many men were away fighting the war. They were the ones who kept their families together as a family unit. They put banners with stars in their windows so everyone knew they had loved ones who died for world peace. They were those who prayed for all of them. They had a way of life that held their lives together during hard times and times of great conflict, with family members serving around the world to fight for justice. Their bond kept them going strong as a society. So that gives you a little background in who the greatest generation really is. It's it's those who fought overseas. There was the Eastern Front, which was in Europe, and that was called the Eastern Theater, and then there or the European Theater, and then there was the Pacific Theater, and that was in the Pacific, and that was initiated where the U.S. got involved with the bombing of Pearl Harbor. So I want to give you three points about what the greatest generation or these World War II veterans understood, because I'm going to focus on the veterans, what they understood that we don't follow well enough today. The first one is patriotism. So I'd like to encourage you to go to my Timeless Truths podcast and go back to November of 23. And I have two Veterans Day podcasts in there. So it's some interviews with veterans, but there's some great insights on patriotism in there as well. So please, I want to encourage you to go and listen to those. And for patriotism, these men, they just love their country so much that they were willing to fight and possibly give their lives for it. And this includes the U.S. and all of our allied countries, like I mentioned before, England, Canada, Australia, and there were so many others that that joined in. In my book, I'll have a list of them. They honored the flags of their countries and did not consider it a right, and I put that in quotation marks, to burn it or stomp on it. Instead, they flew the flag in an area when they won it back from the Axis countries that were fighting against world freedom. So the countries that were on our side fighting the the evil that was going on in the world were the allied countries and those that were the ones who were coming in with evil like uh, the uh, Nazis. And um, Japan was doing that at that time. They'd become great friends and allies of many countries around the world. But there was a moment in time that they were part of those Axis countries. But our veterans... They continue to salute the flag or put their hand over the heart as the flag passed by, whether it's in a parade or it came into a room at a meeting. And they instilled all of that in that in all of us. Now, my dad was a World War II veteran, 
And I grew up in a very patriotic home. And my sisters and I still have all of that instilled in us. And if a flag were to pass by in a parade, our hand is over our heart. And it's just something that we do. It's it's very, very important to us because we understand what they did. It was the flag that represented the United States, in my instance, that they fought for. They died for. They died for the rights for the people to disrespect it today. And that's really wrong. They need to honor what's there. So we need to honor all of our veterans on Veterans Day. That's why I dedicated two episodes to Veterans Day last fall. And then they're the ones who really fought the fight of World War II and all the other wars. And so we really need to honor them. And then Memorial Day is for the veterans who died, those who actually gave their lives to to fight for freedom. And I'm going to put together another episode or maybe even two for Memorial Day as that time nears at the end of May. And for the United States, honoring our country with the Pledge of Allegiance is really important. There's a couple of other countries who have something similar to the U.S.'s Pledge of Allegiance. So if you want to know more about what the Pledge of Allegiance really means, listen to my Veterans Day podcast from last November because I explained that in detail. And then two, what they learned living through the Great Depression. So some of you that are younger, you might not be familiar with what the Great Depression was. But there was a time in the 1930s, it was after World War I and before World War II, and there was a severe stock market crash and the economy fell drastically. And it was a worldwide impact. So many people lost their jobs. Families had to sustain themselves with less than they needed. Families shared homes with each other, and they learned to live without so many things. Now, the Great Depression lasted for nearly a decade, and just as people were coming out of that, World War II hit. But the World War II veterans, the young ones that went into World War II, they grew up through the Great Depression, so they learned the value of things. I think when we think of COVID and the store shelves were empty, Imagine doing that for a decade. And what about once you could get something, it wasn't really what you wanted. But they did it. They lived with whatever they had. And I'm going to give you an example. My grandfather, that's my mom's dad, he was a meat cutter and he worked at the Chicago stockyards and he worked through the Great Depression and he was able to purchase all the scrap meat that was left, just, you know, the the leftovers and, but do it rightful and legally and purchase it. And then he handed that out to the neighbors and they all had meat. Wasn't the best meat. It wasn't maybe their choice of meat, but it was meat. And so he was able to sustain other families. And my grandparents actually took in another family that lived in their home during that period of time. And that's an example of how families kind of helped each other out. But I think back of the days of COVID and walking through the stores and thinking, oh, okay, here's a package of lunch meat. Well, you know what? That's not the brand I really like. And that's not the type of meat I really like. Oh, but I found a package of lunch meat. So I'll buy it. 
And it really made me think that that would have been a luxury to them during the time of the Great Depression. They totally learned to live without. They learned to have only the things that they needed. So these children who grew up became the men and women of the greatest generation. Those that lived through the Great Depression became the men and women of the greatest generation. They learned from the tough family life that they had, all these, they learned how to be frugal. They learned how to do with less than that was needed. They learned to do with not having everything that they wanted. And then they were able to apply it during World War II. They learned things like self-sacrifice, doing without, sustaining one another, and grit. And that grit is just the determination that they had to make it through all of those things. So they learned all of that in the Great Depression and then were able to apply that into the World War II era. So point number three is what they were willing to do to fight for world freedom. It truly was world freedom because you had the European theater fighting Nazism, and then you had the Pacific theater fighting against the Japanese at that moment in time, all up and down the Pacific. Now, my dad was in the Aleutian Islands in Alaska, and that was part of the Pacific theater because it was the Pacific Ocean area, but he was in the far north of all of that. But they were willingly able to go and fight for world freedom. They didn't know if they'd return home, and so many did not. Many of those men, like my dad, enlisted right away from graduating high school. So they graduated high school, were 18, and off they went to enlist in the military. They didn't know where they would be sent. They didn't know what they were going to have to do, but they willingly enlisted. The women and older men often worked in factories, making the military components that were needed. And then they lived with rationing. They knew how to ration because they lived through the Great Depression when there was so little. Now, rationing was something where certain products were needed for the fight overseas, so they weren't as much needed here. And things that were rationed were some types of food, gasoline, things that were metal, and tires, because they were needed for the military vehicles. And so there were little stamps that they had, little cards and booklets that they had with these little stamps in it that were for the rationing. And they knew how to do that because they knew what it was like to live without. It was not any drastic change. It built up their character living through the Great Depression to be able to make it through World War II in that era, even if they were here in the U.S. I just don't know that we as a society could do that today because we've lived with so much. And today, I don't know that children would know what it was like if they couldn't have meat, much less their computers or their cell phone time. I'm not even talking about stuff like that, but I'm talking about the very basic things. What if they couldn't have the food they wanted? What if they couldn't have meat? What if they couldn't have new clothes or new shoes? Because there weren't any. It needed to go to the wartime efforts first, and then 
it was available to them. Now, let me tell you about the book that I'm writing. Everything that I have just said is the foundation for it, but I'm still looking for input from some of you. This is the framework for my upcoming book, which I have mentioned is called What the Greatest Generation Knew That We Don't. And let me tell you how I started writing it. It's my dad. I owe it to my dad. Uh, He passed three years ago, but my dad was a World War II veteran, and he was the inspiration to me to write this book. He lived with me in the last part of his life, and when he passed, I lost my dad, and I lost the man that I lived with. I knew that I would no longer hear any of his wartime stories ever again. I had some, and I wrote some down, and I had some of his writings. I've included some of his stories in my book, but he was my inspiration. Most of the World War II veterans now would be in their very late 90s or early 100s, but there are still some alive today, and I want to capture their stories or have their families recount their stories and work with me to write them. We have so little time left, and the young people today need to know about the wisdom of the World War II veterans and the greatest generation. So even if you are the daughter or son of a World War II veteran and they have passed, you know things. And if you don't help me write these down, they're going to go away. And we need to really talk about not just what they did, but what did they learn? What is their wisdom that they can share with us? The greatest generation were truly a breed of men and women that we don't see today. Instead, the generation that is younger today, they are given the twisted views of society that was not meant to be, but it still can, this story still can apply to them. But we who are the adults, we are the ones who need to bring this message to them. But here's a summary of my book and how it is organized. It's in five sections. One is understanding why we need to hear from the greatest generation. You know, looking at why are their words so valuable to us. Two is the characteristics of the greatest generation. Three is stories from the greatest generation. Four is lessons that the following generation learned from them. And five is applying the lessons of the greatest generation. So what are the benefits to the reader? Explore values, actions, and decisions that were made in generations past. Listen to the stories from the greatest generation and their families. Discover how we can use that information today, to make better choices, provide answers to some of the dilemmas we face in today's turbulent times. So here is where you come in. This is where you can help me. I'm looking to interview more World War II veterans or their families. It can either be in person, over the phone, or in writing answers to the following questions that I'm going to give you. These are the things that I am trying to obtain from them. And what I'm doing with the book is each person will have a chapter to the book. So it'll be based around these questions or anything else that is wanted to be shared. So just let me read you the questions. 
How did growing up during the Great Depression prepare you to serve in World War II? What called you into action to fight for world freedom in World War II? What branch of the military did you serve? Where did you deploy or were you on the home front? What experiences have you had in serving in World War II? Did you have a most memorable experience? What was the most important thing you learned from serving in World War II? How did these experiences shape you as a person for the rest of your life? Do you have a special story that you would like to share? Is there anything else you would like to share that I have not mentioned? What words of wisdom would you like to leave as a legacy to the world today? Do you have a photograph that you would like to share with me that I could put in my book? Now, you don't need to remember all these questions, because if you email me, and I'll tell you how to do that at the end, I will send you, a, it's on a single page, these questions and some additional information on what I'm looking to do to gather more of these stories. So I want to read you a quote. This is from President Ronald Reagan. It's from my book, but I thought it was good, and it sets a tone for what I want to say next. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it to our children in the bloodstream. It must be fought for, protected, and handed on for them to do the same. So that's President Ronald Reagan. Let me repeat it because it's just really that important. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it to our children in the bloodstream. It must be fought for, protected, and handed on for them to do the same. Again, President Ronald Reagan. Even if you decide you do not want to do this for my book, I want to encourage you to still record your answers. Record them for your families and pass it along to future generations. So if you just email me, I can send you that list and and do that for your families. And even if you do do a, you know, decide to do it for the book, oh, write this down. This is so important for your families to know. So if your parent was in World War II and you're doing this for them, how critical it is for you to even add on to this and add things that you learned from it. And how was your family life different? How did it change for doing that? And actually, I want to explain something too. I have realized, not me, actually, my sister noted this, that there is a section that's missing in my book. And I mentioned it when I gave you the different sections of the book, but it's really what it was like to grow up under the influence of the greatest generation with them being parents or grandparents from that, that time frame of World War II or even the, the Great Depression. My, my sister really made that recommendation to me. She is what I consider a first reader of my book chapter. So authors have a first reader, somebody who looks at it and gives them initial feedback. And so she actually noticed that because she could come up with so many things that we learned from our parents and there wasn't a place to capture that in the book. So if you are doing this even for your family, think also, how did that impact you 
as a family. And if you don't have the stories from your parents or grandparents who were in World War II, but want to talk to me about the impact of that, please also email me. And I'm going to start really building up that section as well. And I could use your information for for doing that because it really did impact us in a lot of ways. And I'll give you an example. And in a way, it's a little bit funny how my sister and I do the same thing, but it's an outcome from living with parents who came from the, the greatest generation and who lived through the Great Depression. And we both do it a little bit differently, but things like you make sure the last product out of any bottle is fully used. So for me, if it is something like hand soap, I will, you know, have that bottle upside down. I will get the last little drop out of it. You know, my sister said, you know, with toothpaste, she's going to squeeze that last little bit of toothpaste out of the tube to get every little drop out of there. It's that's an effect. It's a good example of an effect of growing up with parents from the greatest generation. And it was because they knew how to be frugal, how to get the the last of everything possible and and never waste a thing. And it is, it's actually good that we do that because we don't waste anything and there's too much waste today. And we learned anyway, how not to do something like that. So even if you want to talk about that and send me some information on that, please go ahead and do it. But write this stuff down, pass it along to your future generations. It is so important. And you know, there's several characteristics that the greatest generation displayed in this fight for freedom. And these are some things that I really expound upon in my book, and they are things like courage, personal responsibility, perseverance, patriotism, honor, and respect. The first three relate to internal character. So that's courage, personal responsibility, and perseverance. The latter three relate towards outward character, is expressed to others. And those are patriotism, honor, and respect. So I really am looking for your help. I'd like you to partner with me and help provide information to go in this book because it's for all generations, our older generations and our younger generations. This is so needed in today's society to reflect back on all the things that the World War II generation did and how important it was and how we need to regain some of that back again. And I just want to have a little epilogue here at the end. There are a couple of museums that I would really like to point out to you for veterans. And the first one is uh, the National World War II Museum, and it's in New Orleans. Incredible museum. It is the National World War II Museum. And you might wonder, why is this in New Orleans? Because that was the location of where some special vehicles were produced during World War II. And then it started as a museum regarding all of that and really expanded. And it is an amazing museum. So if you ever travel to New Orleans, please go down there. It's the National World War II Museum in New Orleans, and it's fantastic. And then there's another one that's a little closer to me. It's in Branson, Missouri, and I live part-time in Branson, Missouri, so it's on the Strip, Route 76, and it's the Veterans Memorial Museum. And in fact, 
I was there today, the day of this taping. I was there at that museum and an incredible set of displays from World War I, World War II, Korea, Vietnam, and the Middle East. And there's even some on 9-11 that is, that is in there. But an amazing museum. It is privately owned and it is, it, it is amazing. If you want to bring your children to see things like uniforms, from the military, from the different wars. They had three purple hearts on display. So if you are, you know, have children that are old enough to know what a purple heart is and they've never seen one, you can go there and you can see that. They had so much equipment, so many interesting things that were from all of these wars, but the uniforms were just amazing to see and all the equipment, tremendous collection. So I want to recommend if you are ever traveling down to Branson, Missouri, take a couple extra hours and go to the Veterans Memorial Museum. It's right along the strip, main route 76 going through town, an incredible set of memorabilia that that is in there. So how can you get hold of me? My name is Dr. Christine Van Horn but this is my email address and just send me an email and then I'll start a communication with you. It's Chris, C-H-R-I-S at D-R-C-H-R-I-S dot co. It's not dot com, but just dot co. So Chris at D-R-C-H-R-I-S dot co. And that's a way we can start a dialogue. And if there's anything that I can do to help you even gather information for your own family because I'm really big on on journaling and writing down memories and passing it along to your families. I'll help you do that, even if it's just something that you want to do for your family and not necessarily to help me with this book. But if you do want to help with the book, please, again, chris at drchris.co, and I will send you an email that will have all that information in there. But thank you for joining me. And I hope you join me on this journey of honoring our World War II veterans and actually honoring all of our veterans. They gave their lives for us so that we could have the freedom that we have today. And it's just really important that we honor them. What I like about being down here in Branson is there's so many people that wear military caps And it's such a patriotic town. So when you see someone in a military cap, you go up to them and say, thank you for your service. And that is important. It's important that we do that everywhere. So if you see somebody who's wearing a military shirt or from one of the branches of the military or a cap that says, I'm a veteran, thank them for what they did. And I will see you next week on Timeless Truths. Bye-bye for now. Thank you for tuning in to the Timeless Truths podcast with me, Dr. Christine Van Horn. I hope that you have been inspired and have found this discussion helpful in guiding your family please check out my website at drchris.co for additional resources or contact me at chris at drchris.co. See you next week.